Welcome back to Ideas Into Action. I'm your host, Hamza Khan, and today we have a very special guest, a friend that I've been meaning to talk to for quite some time, and it just so happened that the universe, for lack of a better word, aligned the perfect meeting at the perfect time for both of us. My friend joining us today is Courtney Watts, a human-centered design strategist at CGI, bringing human-centered systems, thinking, and mindfulness together to help design teams and global enterprises alike solve complex problems. She completed her master's in international business at Hult International Business School, splitting her time in the program between Cambridge and Shanghai. She spent most of the past decade in global IT consulting enterprises and startups, including a glorious few years in Toronto where our paths overlapped. In this sprawling conversation, we covered a lot of ground, all of my favorite topics, and then some. We talked about the love of language, of love in general, and fear, identity, healing, the future of work, mindfulness, stress and burnout, human-centered systems, spirituality, and something that I've become very interested in as a result of this conversation, Formula One racing. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with my friend, Courtney Watts. Courtney Watts, hello, my friend, and welcome to Ideas Into Action. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you. It's nice to see you after all this time. Um, likewise, 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 likewise. And, and just before we hopped on, I apologized profusely for not responding in a timely fashion to an introduction that you made to connect with a buddy at CollisionCon. And uh, I hope to circle back to that at some point in this conversation. I know uh, there's so much we need to talk about today. I doubt that one hour is going to be sufficient to catch up, but I hope that we can hang back afterwards and, and keep on chatting. Or who knows, this episode might span two hours, but I wanted to start by saying that uh, you have by far one of the most stacked resumes of anyone I know. And I'm not just saying mm -hmm. that because you're a friend of mine and, and you're on the podcast, but truly when I look at the track record that you have, I mean, we're talking, I see over here, Amnesty, Infosys, Scrumble, Tribal Scale, CGI. To me, it's um, a unique blend of, of purpose-driven, high growth, tech forward, and creative work. And had I not been whisked away by education, entrepreneurship, speaking, training, I imagine that I might've tried to emulate your career to the best of my ability. It's such a unique path and I'm so excited to hear about how it is that you formulated this unique blend. And, and there's two things that I wanna start with over here and I'll shut up and let you get right <laughs> to it. You're blending together human-centered systems, thinking specifically, and mindfulness. And I love that. Please just indulge us, myself and the listeners, how it was that you came to focus on these two areas among so many other areas. It's a really fantastic pairing, a fascinating pairing, and we're all really curious about the journey that brought you to harmonize these two areas. Well, first of all, that was a really sweet introduction that that you just gave, and I, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like you look back mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, here's all these, you know, cool steps that got us to where we are. But like, really, it's it's in the moment about you know what is interesting me right now, and like where is life taking me in in the moment, and. I've always been one of those people that just has a lot of interests and doesn't like to be confined or like put in in one box. And and you know, interesting thing ha interesting things happen when you get out of your comfort zone and you like get into a new area that you hadn't been in before. Like undergrad was 
liberal arts, I majored in a foreign language and then got mm. into international education. So when I went to business school, I had never taken a business class in my life. And and there's like a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up because I'm just like looking around sure. like I don't like fit the profile of anybody else here. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and like, yeah, I remember crying in the bathroom one day at school being like, I don't oh, no. belong. <laughs> but um, yep. I, I think there. <laughs> the journey of self-acceptance about like seeing that as my strength, about my ability to step into new areas and and to jump in and learn something brand new and not like worry about like my background or like, do I have this? Like the learning of the new thing is also so much of the process for me. And so in terms of like how I got here, like that's, I've I've just kind of followed my interests everywhere, everywhere I've gone and have been met with many situations like where like, you know, activating my deepest sense of creativity activates like my like deepest triggers of anxiety, right? And like of course, what yeah. happens and what happens when these two things, you know, come together. And so I think like where mindfulness and human centered systems thinking started to come together for me was really when like I was at like the peak of my performance, but like really letting my anxiety come to the surface and just working through that like in a in a personal way. And 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 not like I would go to my team and like talk about like the panic attacks that I was having, like or or you know what mm-hmm. specifically that I was struggling with. But what I really started to notice was that some of my biggest creative breakthroughs in the strategic work that I was doing, some of my biggest creative breakthroughs were vastly followed by like a, a breakthrough in like my own mental health journey and vice versa. Right. Like, a, like a breakthrough in my own mental health journey would come through. Like I, I'd have a breakthrough there and, and then I'd untangle some other not creatively and, and just saw the wow. symbiotic relationship between the two. I'm just like, wait a second. I think there's, I think there's something, there's something going on here. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. So um, oh. how, how you implement that in a framework is, is a great question. And, and, it's, it's, you know, my team and I, you know, some people that I've just like rallied around to work <laughs> on these types of things that w- with me, it's like, okay, what's, what's the MVP version of this look like, right? Like what is like the mm. smallest thing that we can start testing and smart and start doing? Like, what are the, you know, without disrupting the, the rest of the way things go, because like people are resistant to change, right? So like, just like, what are those yep. little ways that we can start infusing something new and seeing um, what happens. So we've started to do that in, in, in our, in our teams and in our individual, um, practices, which is, which has been cool. But, um, I'm also on a separate training path where I'm working to become, you know, teacher trained, teacher certified to teach mm-hmm. mindfulness based stress reduction, which is amazing. One of wow. the most, yeah. Which is one of the most like well researched and, and well formulated, um, uh, tools or strategies for for combating anxiety and and, and mindfulness right. meditation and mindfulness practice. So, um, yeah. Now, Courtney, how far along are you in that journey of becoming certified as an instructor? Um, the program that I want to do is through the School of Public Health at, at Brown University in their mindfulness okay. center, and there's a number of prereqs that you have to complete uh, before before you start there. So I'm almost done. With with my prereqs, um, the the, wow. the next big thing that I that I have is like a five day silent retreat um, that I that I have to do. Oh, wow. Um, 
And then, and then I'll hopefully planning at the end of the year to start like the first kind of formal education, you know, training um, through Brown. So I'm speaking it into the universe and this is me manifesting it here. Absolutely. (laughs) And and I I would like to echo that. No, for sure. (laughs) Ah, I'm in, I'm in, all the listeners are in. Let's, uh, let's amplify this, this reality that Courtney is set to create here. I cannot wait until our next episode that we do together. Yeah, post same. your certification, post retreat. Are you yeah. familiar with the Saper Wharf hypothesis, Courtney? No. Uh, that our cognition essentially is affected by the languages that we speak in. Mm. So, do you speak any other languages, by the way? You mentioned yeah, it. You alluded I, to it I earlier. Speak Spanish. Yeah. I speak Spanish. You speak Spanish. I, and, I, and I majored in it in undergrad, but ever since I was a, a really young kid, I just had this fascination for for the language, which is also like interesting, like a huge part of my story and, and my journey, just like my love of language and my, you know, pursuit of this, um, of, of other cultures that were not my own um, was... Well, let's take a detour been- then. Yeah. Let's uh, well, let's come back to the Saper Wharf hypothesis okay, and yeah, let's yeah, get into sorry. this love I, of I language, please. To- yeah. No, no, no. I, you, 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 you carved a really interesting path here. Take us back. Oh my gosh. Okay. Listen, it was the summer of 1996 and I'm what sitting, a great opening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eight years old and yeah. <laughs> I'm lying on my bedroom floor and I have my boom box there. And it was at the time when like, you'd listen to the radio and like you'd yep. press the cassette so that you can record the audio and then you have, and then yeah. And so I was I would sit in front of my boombox for hours waiting for the radio to play the Macarena. Like when I see that this. song. This is so clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I would call the radio station like shortly after when I would request it. And they'd be like, um, hun, we just played it. I don't know what was happening in the mind of young Courtney. Like some ants were walking up a hill and building, you know, the more formative parts of, of my brain. But yeah. it was it was I see it. I can see it. It was something about that song that just got me so excited about um, mm-hmm. the Spanish language. And I had gone to a school, an elementary school, where we had a um, uh, uh, a Spanish class uh, one one day a week. A Spanish teacher would come in one day a week, and we would do like, you know, uh, alphabet numbers, like you know, fruits, days of the week, like just basic vocabulary, mm-hmm. no sentence structure or anything. But it was just like my favorite class. And I remember going home and I was really young. I remember going home and be like, I'm going to see how long I can go into the evening only speaking Spanish to my family. <laughs> but granted, like it. I knew like colors days of the week, yeah. but like that <laughs> Just hunger enough to get that, you by. <laughs> yeah. I, school for me was not something that really came naturally. So Spanish as a language and as a course was, was really one of the, was, was one of the main things that really like genuinely excited me um and and where i felt like i had you know natural gifts and 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 abilities um being a high energy kid Mm -hmm. and i I was diagnosed with adhd in in middle school which was like you know a stigma that i that i carried through my educational experience where like my hyperactivity and my like sense of wonder and wanting to try all the things like but oh no no you need to be put in this in this box and so and that's, you know, a, a lot that I am still unpacking and, and learning and learning through. But um, what, yeah, for, what's for me, like in that my sp- confidence in school, language was really, le- learning a language was really where I, I found my mm-hmm. sweet spot. 
Yeah. I love that. And 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 what is Spanish doing for you now? Like what does it allow you to unlock in the world that say a version of Courtney in the multiverse that didn't learn Spanish? What are you able to see and perceive differently because you are fluent in this language? Certainly the connections that I've made in my life with with people and um, went to an international business school um, as where as an American, I was one of like four Americans or something in a, in a class of, in, in a cohort of 64. I think there were about over 30 countries represented. And, and at that point I had already, you know, done a study abroad in Spain, had done multiple, you know, trips to Latin America and had, had met a lot of people along the way, but, um, but, but being able to, to forge deep friendships through that program with, with, you know, a lot of my friends from Venezuela, um, and in Spain, um, it, it'll, it's, it's a way that I can connect with them that I, I can't with another language that I, that I don't speak. So, um, wow. and, and I, I've been really craving actually going to like, uh, a classroom setting and just like brushing up on my, on my grammar. Um, but yeah. when it comes to speaking with friends, um, that's, that's what it's doing for me now. Um, uh, certainly like the, uh, music and dance is such an outlet for me too. So mm -hmm. if, you know, there are certain, you know, moods or, you know, states that I'm, that I'm in and, you know, you know, Latin music is, is, is wow. here. So. Um, and the life force that's animating Courtney gets to experience life through the English speaking Courtney, through mm -hmm. the Spanish speaking Courtney and all the different manifestations. And, and I'm really excited for you to now integrate mindfulness teaching into your very diverse portfolio of work, coming back to the Zaper-Whorf hypothesis that essentially our cognition is shaped, shifted, um, or shaped rather, shifted perhaps as well, by the languages that we communicate in. So I'm right now in, I don't have my textbooks, but I'm studying to become an executive coach. And it has taken me so far outside of my comfort zone, Courtney, because I'm so used to standing up on a stage and delivering a message one way by uh, uh, sort of, uh, uh, the, the word is eluding me right now. And I'm used to sort of like planting the seeds in a very broad way. But what coaching is teaching me to do is to work with the individual and plant the seed within them in a deep way, but not even I as a coach plant it. I help them through, through in inquiry to generate the questions or the solutions themselves. And it feels like, or it felt like at first, it were two different disciplines entirely. But now that I've been doing this program for the good part of the year, the blend is wild. Like I'm starting to see how being an effective coach is also going to make me an effective public speaker and vice versa. I'm excited for you because you have such a very, you have such a broad portfolio of work. I think it's really hard to put you into a box. I wouldn't know how to introduce you to a friend work-wise. <laughs> I, I would just... I would just I, I would just list off some some attributes. I would say dynamic, multifarious, effective in multiple disciplines. But it would be unfair to say that you're just a consultant, or you're just a DEI champion, or just this or just that. So I'll come back to my point about mindfulness in a second. But I just thought for a second, how would you introduce yourself, Courtney, to the listeners who they've heard my introduction of you? But I'd love for them to hear how you would introduce yourself. I'm very curious about that. <laughs> It's it's a little tongue in cheek, but the the first thing that came to mind is I'm a Taurus sun, I'm a Leo rising, and a Cancer moon. <laughs> Amazing! That that was way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, it, it you know, and and it really depends on the conversation and how I choose to introduce myself to. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I love that, and and I the reason I ask that question is because I'm going through that. Um, 
ho hopefully I will be able to, uh, to express who I am with, with as much brevity and, and authenticity as you did just now. I'm afraid to do that because I have to unlearn who I was prior to this moment that we're recording. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. see myself as a speaker, an author, an educator. These are things that I do. Who is Hamza underneath all of this? Like, what is this meat sack that appears in 2022? And what is the life force animating it? And anyways, um, so cool all right, how so we just fall, right? <laughs> it, we can we can we can make up life as we can we can make it up as we go when we get to you know be in this journey of of evolution. There is no evolution. There there is no you know there's no way you can go through self discovery and not evolve. And you know mm -hmm. asking ourselves those those questions. I as you were talking like. Even even me with like my name, I'm thinking about my identity very much through like my name right now and like and what I want to be called. And and that mm. is an interesting like, you know, in terms of how I introduce myself, like at a very basic level, like even thinking about like my name is very uh, is bringing up a lot, too. So that's I get that. Yeah. And yeah. that's fascinating. Do, do you have at all like a, a personal mission statement, a thing that you're trying to do with your time on earth? Mm. Like my name is my, Courtney Watts and I do this. Yeah. My, my purpose is, is all about healing and being wow. a conduit of healing, finding spaces where healing is happening, bringing people to spaces where healing is, is happening, creating that within, with my own, you know, spaces and, and teams. Um, healing is a, is, is, you know, a focal point of, uh, of my journey. And, and how is that playing out through your work with, with building teams, coaching teams, structuring teams, working within teams? Like, let's talk a little bit about the future of work and this idea of human centeredness in it. Hmm. What what are you hoping to see through the work that you you do your contributions? Oof, you know, working in human centered design in um, let's say like in let's say in an industry like financial services, you know, mm -hmm. you you are designing for the end for, for the human in mind, but going through that process, you have to see how it's really not working for humans right now too. So while human centered design is a great solution, it's also in a lot of ways, part of our problem. <laughs> like a lot of the problems around us are like human caused. And so, yes. and, and how we make decisions and, and sometimes even out of our best intentions, how we make decisions yeah. around technology or how to solve a problem. And then, you know, sometimes the solutions to our problems only create more problems. And it's only when right. we can pause and step back and have awareness is when we can, you know, start to see how sometimes our, you know, the, the solutions to our problems sometimes unintentionally start create more yeah. problems. But more, takes, more problems, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it takes a level of, of awareness. So, um, you know, in, in, in strategy projects, in, in financial services and in the future of, you know, banks and whatnot, that's one conversation. But in, in those conversations, when it comes to DE&I and seeing issues around equity and inclusivity, we're talking about systems problems there. Sure, we're talking about a lot of, you know, intentional harm, but we're talking about um, unintended consequences 
um, that result from unconscious bias. And, and it's not out of our bad intentions that sometimes these things happen. Right. And I, and I know I'm painting a very like general, like broad brush right now. And it's like, it's, it's very nuanced and intersectional. And I totally get that. I I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to land the plane. And and, and what I'm trying to say is going into those spaces, knowing that, you know, healing needs to happen at foundational levels. It's like, are we ready to have these, like these, are we ready to go there? Because <laughs> wow. healing in, in that process of undoing systems that haven't been working for people for a long time or even for a short time, like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from the United States right now. I'm speaking in a, right, right. From, from a, from a, from a state that has a lot up for, um, for, for grabs in, in our coming up, I mean, in our coming elections. And so it's, it's, it's stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, we think about a lot and how we, how we bring those realities to the workplace too, and, and create a safe space for, for others as, you know, wow. as we're all being affected. I don't know if that answers this your is, question, but like healing, no, it we does beautifully. healing all, all over the place. <laughs> I, I love that. I've been flirting more and more with my identity as being one of a healer, but I'm having a tough time reconciling the role of healing in a traditional workplace. But we're also in a time of flux where the notion of a traditional workplace is changing. It's really interesting you know, what, what, what in, your, in your unpacking of, of human-centered design, human-centered systems, so much was inferred to me. Uh, or so much presented itself to me as uh, human care, essentially, being mm-hmm. empathetic, listening, creating things that are compassionate, so on and so forth. And I, I imagine, Courtney, that that can be very taxing work at the end of the day. Like it's one thing to operate effectively within a business, but if the subject matter or the thing that you're working on has that very strong pathos-inducing quality to it, that can be another level of drain that mm-hmm. wears you out at the end of the day. I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. to know, Courtney, like how do you manage the the stress that comes from doing very sensitive, perhaps even emotionally charged work or yeah, let's, let's start there. And, and please correct me if that's a false or, or, or a wrong summation of, of, of the work that you do. No, no, that was, no, that was great. I think, I think one of the things that can lead us to burnout really quickly in these areas is I think in innovation culture, we've just become obsessed with the idea that like in a quick sprint, we can come up with a solution mm-hmm. and like, and, and we can build things really quickly and fast, fast, fast. We've got to do things fast. And it's, and, and we want to focus on the things that are going to have the highest return in the shortest amount of, of time. And right. when it, comes to thinking about the future or thinking in in systems um our our brains aren't as well equipped to you know think about these types of problems in in the long term it's it's harder to wrap our heads around around you know the long term and so you know you see what's right in front of you and you see you see where you are and you see where and you know where you need to be and just like wow it's gonna be a lot to close that gap like oh shit i'm just gonna throw in the towel you know what i mean so it's easy it's easy to get you know burnt out just around like the fact that change does not happen over overnight um and so resetting my own mindset or you know constantly reminding myself of that like makes you know those tough days or those those tough you know projects whatever initiatives whatever it may be um a little a little bit more manageable but um i also know i'm I'm becoming more and more familiar with you know what what triggers me too and so i Mm -hmm. i 
and I love, I, I love a good routine. Like I, going back to like me being a Taurus, a Taurus son, um, <laughs> I love feeling comfortable. I love feeling good in, in my body and being cozy. Um, and so routines that are set around making me feel good, um, do wonders for, for my mental health. Um, are you familiar with the Wim Hof with, with Wim Hof and the, the deep breathing and cold exposure, uh, practice? Um, I've, I've, I've experienced it in, in, in a very like cursory way, way I've, I've been at the receiving end of the strategies and the techniques, but I don't actually know the concept, the origin. I know nothing about Wim Hof at a sort of like a theoretical level, not theoretical, but like a the level of like top level information. Yeah. Yeah. He teaches a practice that involves a lot of, you know, deep breathing and breath holding, um, mm -hmm. and, and then cold exposure, voluntary cold exposure. So like an ice bath or ice baths, yeah. and, and he's, um, and he's, and he's gone, you know, he's from, he's Dutch, he's from the Netherlands and, um, has talked a lot about, you know, his practice, but has also had scientists, you know, test him and say, you know, look what it does to, to, to my body. He's, he ran a marathon in, in the Antarctic in, in shorts and no, and no shoes and like hiked Mount oh, wow. Everest in his shorts as, as an, ex he holds over like 24 or something. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Guinness world records uh, for just mm -hmm. doing extreme stuff. So like at a basic level, he's an extreme athlete and he's, he's in his 60s now. Um, but he's been able to do these incredible feats uh, and, and, you know, he attributes, he attributes it to, you know, how this deep breathing and cold exposure has built him up. And so he's done all this incredible stuff, like wow. fight off like E. coli that was injected into, into him, um, by, by researchers. And they kind of hooked him up to all these things and, and, you know, proved that he was able to fight off this oh wow um, this e coli in his breath and they're they're like you are a work like you are a marvel. <laughs> like you are a you you are a, a, a scientific marvel and he's like yeah. mm -mm, mm -mm, i can teach this no. to anyone i can and generate so, some coal shock proteins and yeah. just send them to work <laughs> yeah yeah and so he did you know these tests with a control group and then a group that had practiced this method and they injected them with the same thing and the results between the two were were amazing and that was one of like the first studies that was done on him that was really like whoa um so holy smokes that like practicing that and and you know being connected to my breath um is probably one of the most uh important things i've ever done for for my life and my health and my my, my mental well-being probably being connected to my breath wow is, is, is one of the most important You've, you've inspired a lot over here, Courtney. And uh, I was I was aware in a very cursory way of, of Wim Hof. Um, like I mentioned, I did practice some of the the end results of, of what it is that is being advocated here. I do take cold showers. I do do mm -hmm. ice bath plunges. And I do practice some like uh, really it's whatever calm tells me to do in terms of breathing exercises. But if I become okay. more intentional and understand Mr. Wim Hof and, and integrate all of these things, I hope to also unlock the power of breathing because that's something that I desperately need right now as I'm redlining for sure. I'm coming very close to burnout. And I'm curious to know before we, if we circle back to this, are you optimistic about the future of work? All With all this being said and understanding that the United States still has a lot to do in terms of human-centered systems and design and 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 you you spoke to a little bit of a frustration and like you know where we need to go but we're not moving there fast enough or efficiently and i feel that all the time it's hard to be optimistic but i'm curious to know are you optimistic about the future of work 
you think we're moving in the right direction? I mean, I think the possibility is there. I'm, I'm definitely optimistic in terms of like what I know I want to create and the, 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 the sense of conviction that I have that, you know, the future of work is up to us. And this is something that actually my coworkers and I talk about a lot as we're trying to, to figure this out about, you know, being a, a, an inclusive, you know, uh, high performing culture while we're all, you know, spread out, like, can we cultivate connection virtually and, 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 you know, still, you know, be able to accomplish all this. And, and it's really, and it's really up to us. And I don't think there, there is a blueprint. I don't mm-hmm. think there is one way to do it. It's, it's every company to figure out who do they want to be and what does it look like to be the best version of themselves? Not what anybody else is, is doing. Um, and so, but I think in times of uncertainty, we look around and we're just like, how, all right, we need, we need a guide. We need a role model. Like who's doing, who's doing this well. Um, so I, I am optimistic and I think, because I think there are enough leaders and enough people out there that will get it and, um, will take advantage of just the opportunities that are, available to us now if we if only we just embrace it and like and and bring our positivity to it oh Um, boy i am do you i and and that that that's very exciting for me to hear i i believe that um you and i and and others we know who they are they're listeners of the podcast people that we collaborate with we see them all the time i call it like there's only two teams playing this game of life there's team love and team fear i think Mm. you and i are clearly on team love we're trying to inject this idea into all the workplaces that we've been a part of our our schools this idea of like togetherness unity love essentially uh, for lack of a better word my question is why do from your perspective why do why do some and i'm saying that lightly i should just be honest why do most companies not put people at the center of the work that they do from your from from your experience like why 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 are leaders so hesitant to to, to start or build a, build a solution, build a company with humans in mind. Wow. That's a great, it's at the center question. of their work, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a great question that I'm certainly going to take away and think a lot more about, I think after, after sure. this, but I, th- I, the first thing that came, I'll, I'll go. So I'll go with the first thing that came to, to, to my mind, knowing that I'll probably, you know, evolve on this a little bit later, but I, I think going back to unintended consequences of our best mm. intentions, and it's not that, and it's not that we're saying we do not want to put humans at the center of our work. Cause a lot of the times, you know, companies are outright and in, in saying that they do. And I believe that, I believe that they do genuinely mean that. Um, but I think there's also old, in the same way that we have legacy technology, <laughs> there's legacy ways of thinking, there's legacy right. organizational behaviors that dictate how we solve problems or how we go about solving problems. Um, so I think it's easy to get stuck in the, this is the way we need to do things, or this is you know the best way to solve a problem. And sometimes you know we come up with solutions for people without talking to them about <laughs> what it is that they want or, or really truly building empathy and understanding um, understanding their needs. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think even our best intentions, 
um, sometimes create more more problems. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think even with the best of intentions, people get caught up in in active inertia, right? They just uh, they they want to help the company, they want to help the people that they employ, but during times of stress, when when things are uncertain, when the future is bleak, um, during times of chaos, essentially, people just do what they know. They sink back to a level of their training and preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah. to your point, in in persisting with the old ways of thinking and working that brought success in the past, in the face of dramatic environmental shifts, they can actually make the problem worse. I see this. And this is why I'm fascinated by Microsoft. So I've I've been really riveted by some of the, the changes happening at Microsoft. And uh, it's, it's remarkable to me that very recently, they actually got rid of employee engagement as a metric. And now they're measuring employee thriving, hmm. which includes in its calculations, uh, holistic wellness. And to get a signal like that from Microsoft, maybe what it'll do is for all the other leaders who are looking for somebody to, you know, to your point, lead the way, look no further than one of the most successful companies in history. One that is, I think, top 10 on the Fortune 500, if I'm not mistaken, Microsoft. Incredible, incredible things that they're doing over there. What is a, what is a dream project, Courtney, that you hope to, to work on in your lifetime? Not even oh with your gosh. role at CGI, but maybe, you know, down, down the road. I don't know what it is for me. And if you don't have one, that's okay. Oh, man. There are, there's, a lot of different things that I want to do, I think, but, um, formula one is a huge passion of mine. It's an, it's a newer Whoa. hobby of mine, maybe in the last like year, year and a half or so, but I draw so many, I draw a lot of inspiration <laughs> from the sport and it, it really getting to know formula one. I was like, how did I live my life without the sport? Cause it's not big. It's not big in the U S. Um, but it really disrupted my concept of sport. Um, huh. And so it's just blown the lens for me on competition, high performance competition, high performance innovation. Um, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen on race day. So you have to simulate all these possible scenarios and make very big strategic decisions with like very little and like very short amounts of time. I just, I think the thrill of it and needing to, you know, be creative problem solvers in that space would just be thrilling. So I don't know, maybe formula one would be a really cool, um, bringing mindfulness (laughs) to to, formula one. And wow, yeah. I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you, and you, you explained it so so clearly. Like, what is the way to read an F one race? Like, what what am I watching? But I think you've inspired me to now watch an F one race and look at it from the perspective of uh, it being a metaphor for high impact, high growth, kinetic, creative work. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such I'm, a I'm team sure you draw. Sport. It's such mm-hmm. a team sport too, which you, you wouldn't really, you would, you think it's about the driver and, and, and the car, but it's really about the team uh, all around it. And that's, and that's really inspiring too. Mm-hmm. What would be the closest uh, analogy you could draw in a, in a, in a contemporary workplace? Like what is a, a situation that is similar to an F1 race? You know, if a, if a, if a driver crashes and, um, and, they, they have to exit the race or there's damage to the car. Um, and the next race is in two weeks. So you have two weeks to fix the car. You have two weeks to figure out what's going on with it. Um, and then like, that's your sprint. 
Right. And so like in the technology world, like or in, in the business world, when we break our, you know, our projects or our endeavors down into to sprints, we have our goals and we know what we need to do. And like that car needs to be working when it comes to the Monaco Grand Prix. Right. So um, yeah. and 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 it's not guaranteed that you're going to figure it out. Right. Like it's it's a it's a whole discovery. And like and that's, you know, high 10. It's it's tense it's high pressure especially for subject matter experts where like mm-hmm, you're the mm-hmm. only one that can tell us what's going on yeah, yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah, like yeah. imagine what that imagine like what that would do to to a team right yeah. especially in industry or, or sport where it's just like millions of dollars on, yeah. on the line and, and quite literally high octane i'm uh, i'm i'm excited i'm excited to read f1 i've 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 always been fascinated by the technology and you know the the tidbits I pick up about the speed at which they move and seeing it depicted in Hollywood, but I've never actually sat down and watched a race start to finish. And I'm excited to check it out now. I might be able to extract similar insights based on this conversation that I get from like a a basketball game or a, a boxing match. So there, there's a couple of things you've touched upon here with regards to how it is that you operate and are able to get things done. And uh, you know some things I heard were. Uh, we, we talked briefly about mental health and understanding anxieties and, and sort of doing that inventory uh, breath work, which is really interesting. And then right now, the sophisticated understanding of the different inputs in your life, one of them being F1 and how you can incorporate that into your day-to-day, uh, burn out a little bit. Um, you, you, men- you mentioned your star sign and, and, and sort of what, what that... <laughs> What what your triggers are as a result, uh, or 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 in 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 conjunction, what else constitutes the the Courtney Watts productivity stack? I'm very curious mm-hmm. to know how it is that you manage your time, your energy, and your attention. What are some of the practices that you've incorporated and integrated into your life when you're performing at your best? That's a great question. Just because I, being somebody that's always been interested in a lot of things like I and gets excited easily I very quickly like will take on too much and um and and not and out of excitement um say yes and overcommit to things and so it's, it's times when I really when they're all when all the fire all cylinders are firing at the same time mm-hmm. I was like whoa did not anticipate <laughs> like when <laughs> when all this all this was going and so I I try my I'm trying a lot harder <laughs> to not um get myself into those overcommitted phases or to, you know, not say yes Mm -hmm. to things right away and um, understanding about, you know, my, my personal strategy, which is, which is responding. Um, It's taking, it's, you know, inputting information, taking time with it and then responding. Usually like gut reactions um, are not like my best decisions. And so, and that's taken oh, time for me to, and that's, and that's taken sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is right. But like for, for big decisions, um, you know, taking, taking time and that's, and that's not celebrated in our culture, that fast response that like, you need to get back like right away. Or, I need to get back right away. Or, um, you know, or, or, I don't know. You you be, you even no, no, no. This, you even kicked off this podcast apologizing for not getting to getting getting back to a friend right away. So like we have this, yeah. You know this. It, it easily creates a sense of of guilt. Um, so there's a certain level of prioritization that I've you know that I've had to work through. Um, and then productivity wise, like getting it all written out. I need to write it yeah. all down and then Same. you know I'm old school work, like that. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, like I have, I have not found a technology tool that is like optimal for me. I've tried a mm-hmm. lot of them and will mm-hmm. commit to one and then like abandon it, you know, shortly yeah. after. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about productivity tools out there, but I, I go back and forth between like pen and paper, honestly, and sticky yeah. notes and like whiteboarding, um, wherever I feel like I need to get it out in a way that's going to help me visualize it. Um, and I also wonder, Courtney, like if maybe yeah. the, the tool requirement changes depending on the project that we're working on or also where we are at in our careers. Like I'm finding increasingly that Asana is insufficient to managing my current portfolio of work. I think in any given day, as much as I pride myself on being able to bang out like 50 tasks, realistically for the type of work that I'm doing, I can only do like one to three things a day because they're so cognitively demanding and they're not easy tasks to break down and assign deadlines to. They're all like Mm -hmm. deep writing exercises, reflection, creative work, getting inspired. And so I'm starting to think more and more like maybe there isn't any technology out there because my portfolio of work is so unique as is yours. So maybe we need to just design our own. And I want to Mm -hmm. come back quickly before we get further into these productivity uh, strategies and and techniques and and tools or lack thereof that we're using. This is fascinating to me. Prioritization, Mm -hmm. that's key. And um, I have a, I have a buddy named named uh, his name is Kohulin, but I, we call him Coco lovingly. And uh, he once said to me after I apologized to him for not responding in like two months, he responded with something that I I, I haven't stopped thinking about since then. He said, "That's okay. That's the price of presence. Hmm. The price of presence is that you have to deprioritize certain response times or expectations of response times." I'm struggling with that right now. I don't know what's normal anymore. I feel like I'm constantly letting people down. I even feel guilty right now being like, shit, I wish you and I just chatted before we jumped on a podcast together. But I think this was also part of the process of like getting back into that rhythm. I've just been so afraid to reach out to people to follow up um, Mm. text messages that I haven't responded to in months or weeks, sometimes years. How do you decide? This is a long-winded way of asking. How do you decide what gets your immediate attention, Courtney? Like, how do you, what, what, what are the thoughts that, or the considerations that go into deciding if you're going to do something or not? Work-wise related. Work-wise related. Yeah. yeah I think for me, it's like, it, is this something that I need to get done or is this a decision that I need to make? Um, does, does this yeah. task require me to make a big decision? Uh, Cause I think it's, I, I, the way I, 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 and I'm working through like my own systems, right? Like we talk about sure. tools, we talk about like the things that, that we use and it's really, you're right. Like there is not one tool that, that works. And, you know, we love the idea and in innovation culture that technology can solve all of our problems, but like how you prioritize your day and your energy is, is also part of self-discovery too. in mm-hmm. in a way, like what system works for me? How do I manage my, my energy and, and my time? And so, um, that's the, asking myself those questions as I'm putting together my list and assigning, you know, pri- obviously where there's a deadline or if there, if it's client related, you know, or if, you know, if it, if, if, you know, it is required of me, those obviously take priority. Right. But, you know, right. Giving myself time and space to, to, you know, think through other 
decisions or, you know, time and space to untangle knots. Or um, if I know if I, if there's a day where I'm doing a lot of context switching, right. Like if I'm, if I have a lot of projects going on and there's a day where I'm like having all different types of meetings for, you know, context switching, that's, that's where I can get tripped up. So. um, And and Courtney, what needs to be true for you to, to get into flow state with work? Like what are the, 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 the lights or the, the signs that you need to pass in order to be like, all right, Courtney's ready to slip into some deep, just like really, really great work. Yeah. I think managing my, my time and energy and being able to look at the next day and, or the, you know, being able to look at the day and like prioritize, like, I know what I didn't, I know what I have right in front of me. I'm in the moment, I have the time to work on this. And like, I don't have to worry about the rest, clearing my space and and freeing myself up to focus on what's, what's right in front of me. When I'm able to do that and not get distracted or worried about all the other things, because it's already taken care of in my prioritization list, that's when I can get into the flow because that's that. And that's when I can, you know, bounce back and forth to all of the different things that light me up because that's, that's when I'm in my flow. That's happiness to me um, is being able to work on the projects that light me up and, and get me excited. Oh, that's really exciting. And, and, and this brings us to perhaps my last question and, and, and feel free to like, you know, we can, we can go in any other direction if, if something comes to mind, but like this idea of like a project that's going to give you happiness and, and you, this is an audio podcast and and I have the the privilege of seeing you over video, but you got really excited a couple of minutes earlier when you talked about F1 being a potential dream project. What would it look like if you, if you could walk us through how you would approach incorporating mindfulness into that strategy work that you might be doing, that you will be doing, let's speak this into existence, that you Mm. will be doing at some point Mm -hmm. with the F1. How would you go about that? I don't know, to be honest. Like I, I'm, I'd be curious to um to 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 shadow a team and to see mm. how their processes and how their systems work how they collaborate together and how they solve problems what happens when stress uh, and anxiety enters into the picture uh, not just for individuals but for teams um and yeah and 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 from the driver's side also what it does what's what stress and anxiety does to the body and how you prepare the body through mindfulness to do really, really incredible things at a very, very like high speed. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many different interesting ways you could explore mindfulness in the sport. Wow, I'm uh, I'm I'm so fat. I cannot wait to watch my first F1 race. Cool. From, from if you do, you have to text me. I'll be here. I'll be watching them as well. So. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm riveted. The, 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 it's very rich in terms of its metaphor mm-hmm. potential and, and giving us ways to look at our work and look at individual performance, team performance. And I've never thought about it in terms of like it being a team sport, but you're absolutely right. Like even as a, mm-hmm. as a public speaker, I often joke with clients that uh, we're a band. I'm just the front man of this band, but I can't actually perform to the audience that you want me to perform unless I have you providing me with context and uh, historical information about the organization and outcomes and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. My friend, this has been uh, very, very insightful. And uh, we jumped right into it. We got into some really high level we stuff. We went here. there. We, we, we absolutely went there. Yeah. And um, I, I would love to, to, to catch up with you again very soon, but also have you back on the podcast as you get further into this journey of 
refining your, your gifts in terms of bringing mindfulness and healing to people and how you can blend that together with your work in the corporate and tech sector. It's a, it's a blend that I, I've yet to see. You're one of a kind, my friend. Oh, thank you for that. I'd be delighted to come back. And, you know, I've spoken it into the universe now and, and you and your listeners are going to hold me accountable. <laughs> there we go. What's, what's next for you, Courtney? This weekend or what? <laughs> this weekend or let's take a wider time scale. Give, give us the next five years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like I, because my, I get excited about things easily. I, uh, it's hard to look five years. And so sometimes it's like, okay, manage, I'm in a place right now, like, okay, next two years, I'm starting to, to hash it out. Um, I really love where I'm working right now. So I, I definitely see myself, you know, staying with, with CGI for, for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to get, and this is another thing we need to talk about too. I'm starting to get involved with, um, with students at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, I saw. In, in one of the master's programs there. Um, and also uh, exploring mindfulness uh, opportunities there with, uh, with their mindfulness centers. So I, I you know, in, a, in, in the way that you, you were talking about kind of our career paths and our career trajectories, like I am now feeling the yearning and the calling to the classroom space and to explore, wow. and to explore teaching. Um, so I will definitely need to um, get some advice from you, but I think in my immediate future, you know, what's, what's next for me, um, working with students, being in a classroom setting um, would, would, would be really cool, which is not what I expected oh actually a, a year ago. If you'd asked me a year ago, I don't, I, I would not have expected to say that. So all, to, all to show that like things change really quickly. Right. And it's hard to look out, you know, five years when like I, so much just changes in one year, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's, is, I think that's what's in my, in my, in my short-term window. I'm, I'm excited about, uh, as your friend to, to watch you go on this journey, but also, uh, simultaneous, to that, I'm excited that the conditions exist for the transformation that we're both hoping for, for a more human-centered world. And uh, I love this adage: when the, when the students are ready, the teachers shall appear. And lo and behold, mm. Courtney, you have appeared, which means that the students are ready. Oh my gosh! I they love that. Primed. I'm going to take that with me. Thank you. They're Thank ready, you my that. friend. Where can uh, where can we follow your adventures online? You know, I really haven't been great about writing lately, but it is one of those things that I'm I'm, I'm going to get better at. So um, on LinkedIn, I'm going to start hopefully writing a little bit more about what we're uncovering. Um, and that's probably awesome. Probably the easiest space. I'm doing a little bit of a social media a cleanse newsletter. right now, actually. So I'm not super active on on a lot of channels. Um, but I, I think anything work related or career related, anything about this sort of stuff, LinkedIn is going to be place. So and that, I'm Courtney Watts. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll be sure to put that into the show notes. My friend, I uh, really appreciate everything that you're doing out in the world right now for jumping on the show, for giving us some insight into how you're approaching your career, your life, the work that you're doing, uh, really fascinating things. And I've taken away so much from this. I'm really eager once we're done recording to actually just write down all of my takeaways over here. It's been very, very powerful to hear you uh, and, and to witness your, your growth over the years that we've known each other. Uh, more life to you, more success, uh, and I cannot wait to catch up again uh, as you get further along in your journey, in this amazing journey that is the life of Courtney Watts. So thank you so much for being a part of Ideas Into Action. Thank you so much. Thanks for all that you do. Thanks for this platform that you've created and just for, for being you. 
So I, I am genuinely honored to know you. Thank you. You can check out past episodes and subscribe to get updates on upcoming episodes on iiapodcast.com. Until our next episode, thank you so much for tuning in. We're out.